Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, USG fam? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and I'm excited to share with you our fifth release of our seven special edition podcasts that will feature messages from our lineup of speakers during the first ever Christians Working in Sports Conference this past summer. This week will feature the second panel session from the conference that covered the topic of navigating trials in the sport industry. The panel was hosted by Jason Romano, the director of media at Sports Spectrum, and featured four sport industry leaders, Tom Crean, the former Division I head basketball coach at Marquette, Indiana, and most recently Georgia, Laura Halderson, the former inaugural head coach for the University of Minnesota's women's hockey team and a 15-year staff member with the Golden Gopher Fund, Ryan Saunders, assistant coach with the defending NBA champion Denver Nuggets, and Jonathan Isaac, Orlando Magic Forward, and the author of the book, Why I Stand. Each of these experienced faith and sport leaders provided helpful insights to navigating the many trials that are likely to face professionals within the college and pro sport industry. If you like this content, you won't want to miss the 2024 Christians Working in Sports Conference on June 21st and 22nd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Visit the link in the description of this podcast to visit the CWS Conference website to register or learn more about next summer's conference. With that, here's the panel on navigating trials in the sport industry from the 2023 CWS Conference. All right. Hi, guys. Back up here again. I'm excited. um, For those of you who might not have been here yesterday, my name is Jason uh, Romano, and I'm the director of media with Sports Spectrum, was at ESPN for 17 years and uh first of all thanks to drew let's give drew bow a shout out because i know we got a lot more to cover for the rest of the afternoon but this conference is fantastic i mean i've been to a lot of conferences and to have all of you guys here uh we just had chick-fil-a by the way so if you're not in a good mood go check yourself seriously we just had chick-fil-a guys um but we're gonna have a conversation now with some uh some pretty heavy hitters up here uh, this is right up my alley. This feels like a Sports Spectrum podcast, uh, just galore right here with this round table. But we're going to be talking about trials, navigating trials, talking about walking through trials. Um, it's inevitable. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we're going to talk a lot about trials here. Uh, let me introduce our esteemed panel. Tom Crean to my left, former college basketball coach, most recently the head coach of the University of Georgia. Uh, he was also with Indiana, uh, led the Hoosiers to three Sweet 16 appearances. He was with Marquette, uh, Dwayne Wade's coach, and reached the Final Four in 2003. He was named the Sporting News Big Ten Coach of the Year in 2012. Let's give it up for Tom Crean. 
Laura Halderson is a former collegiate ice hockey player and coach. She was the first head coach of the University of the Minnesota Golden Gophers women's hockey team, uh, leading the new team to national prominence. How about three national championships? Let's give it up for Laura Halderson. Speaking of championships, there's Ryan Saunders over there. He's the Denver Nuggets assistant coach. I don't know if you guys heard Denver kind of won the NBA title last week. Uh, the fact that you're here, Ryan, is amazing. Uh, so it was awesome to watch your team uh, win a title, beat the Heat four games to one uh, with the help of Mr. Jokic over there in Denver. I uh, joined the Nuggets in June of 2022, and he was, prior to that, the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, head coach. Uh, he was first there as an assistant and then served as the head coach for his final three years. He was the youngest head coach in the NBA at age 33. Welcome, Ryan Saunders. And lastly, we get a double dose today of my friend over there, Mr. Jonathan Isaac, selected seventh overall in the 2017 NBA draft after playing collegiately at sixth. Is it sixth? You were 32? Wow. Wikipedia was wrong. Don't get your information from Wikipedia. I'm just kidding. Sixth overall. There we go. Sorry, Jonathan. My bad, man. 2017 NBA draft after one season at Florida State. Just finished his sixth NBA season. Is that accurate? Also, a first-time author. He wrote the book Why I Stand last year. Uh, just recently announced his latest venture, which we'll talk about when we're finished here, Unitas, a sports and apparel company that will officially launch in August. Let's give it up for Jonathan Isaac. All right. So we got the intros out of the way. Clearly, I didn't do my homework well enough, so... Uh, forgive me, that was a trial right there for me. But the purpose of this discussion is not just to talk about, um, not just enduring trials, but going through these tough times to thrive and be able to bring God glory after we get through these trials. So everyone on this panel has walked through difficult seasons in life, whether personally or professionally. Um, so I want to start, ladies, first with you, Laura. Um, why don't you tell us about a trial that you've walked through and uh, how you've seen God, I don't know, see you through that and be able to come out on the other end? Thank you, Jason. Well, first, I want to say it's great to be here. Um, this is an awesome conference. And um, when I got the call from Drew and he said it was going to be about adversity, I had to kind of chuckle because uh, lately the word suffering has been on my heart as I've run across it, whether it be in messages, sermons, or in the word. And so I thought, mm, I think this is meant to be, so I better say yes. And, um, you know, life is, has, trials, life has suffering, and like you say, the Bible um, tells us that we will have adversity. So when I was kind of brainstorming about what a good trial would be to share, I remember early on in my, my years at the University of Minnesota, we had a couple players after being with the team for one season, they wanted to transfer, and this was way before the transfer portal, so it wasn't as common, and one of those players was very high profile. And, you know, I struggled with that because I thought, well, Jesus, she leaves. That doesn't look good for us. That's, that's going to be a problem. I'm stressed about that. And I had my boss saying, you know, that's going to be a problem. And she was stressed about it too. So it was really um, a difficult time. But, you know, I think that um, she and I, this high-profile player, we had sort of different philosophies about um, being on a team and I wasn't going to compromise or change my values 
And I thought, well, if this isn't a good fit, then that's probably okay that she leaves. But let me just tell you, I had one of the anchors from a local TV channel at my house on my deck asking me why is she leaving the University of Minnesota. So it was kind of a big deal, at least in the world of women's hockey. And so I kind of reached the point. I was, I remember sitting in my office, um, like shaking. I really was thinking I'm having a nervous breakdown because this is getting to me so much. And I prayed about it and I just felt God saying, do what's right. And whatever happens, happens, you know, the consequences, you know, you can't control, but you know, you'll get through this. And um, it all worked out. I actually, one of the verses and probably a key verse for me, I wrote it down so I wouldn't screw it up, um, that I wanted to share is in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. And I thought this really applied to my situation. It is, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. And we got through that those two players transferred. I was then fast forward, you know, a little while later, I had my individual meetings with, with the returning players talking about the, you know, the, that season and the next season. And it was so interesting that a couple of those players said to me, Hey coach, if they don't want to be here, then that's okay. They can go. Mm. And it was very encouraging for me. And, um, you know, what was interesting is the next year, I would say we, we didn't have as much talent, but we had a better team. And that was the year we won our first national championship. Wow. And so that was a big learning lesson for me that really, you know, trusting God and just doing what I felt, you know, he wanted me to do and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Wow. That's awesome. Ryan, you just won an NBA title, as we talked about, but it was, what, a couple of years ago um, that you were let go after a tough start of the season. Kind of walk us through what your perspective was on dealing with trials. It could be the difficult circumstances of just the job, but also maybe just in life, you're still yeah. a, a human, you know, who lost his yeah. job. So talk, talk us through what that was like. No, definitely. And, and I, I guess I'd say one of the first things I'd like to kind of bring up, um, I've always enjoyed talking about my faith. Um, but I always, I think more, more so in the past, I, I had a, a feeling sometimes when I'd get up and speak about my faith to, you know, a, a group like you all, is that I'm not as good a Christian as them in the audience. And, you know, because I fall short every day. And I'm, I'm sure everybody here can, can say something along those lines. And so that was something that was always on my mind um, that I was able to work through. And, and I felt, you know, where, to the point where I'm more comfortable. I'm still not to a point where I want to be as a Christian. Um, but I'm more comfortable with it now. Uh, so that's, that's one thing I wanted to make sure, you know, I, I shared a little bit today. But, you know, as you talk about, you know, getting let go. And as coaches, we all know, I'm sure most out here, a lot, a lot out here are coaches. Um, you're, rent, you're renting the whistle. That's something my dad always used to tell me. <laughs> you don't own it, you're just renting it. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you're on borrowed time. And, uh, you know, I, 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 during that time in Minnesota, with Minnesota, um, you know, I was 32, uh, got my dream job. That was, that was, that was a job I, I had always thought, I didn't think it would come that soon, but I had my dream job at 32. And in my hometown, um, and I, my wife, I, I remember at my opening press conference, she was 39 and a half weeks pregnant with my firstborn, a son. Mm. And my dad had, you know, passed away in that same role, you know, four, four years prior. So there were a lot of things coming at me and, and feelings in, in, that, in that, those moments where, 
you know, hey, I want to make him proud. I want to make a lot of people proud. Um, and, you know, as, as it, things kind of started, you know, settling within the job, within the role, I was realizing, okay, I'm, I'm in this role probably for a different reason. Um, we're kind of rebuilding again. And, you know, it might not be a full-on winning situation right now. And I understand with fans, everyone, it's rebuilding. You guys, nobody likes that word. <laughs> like, I, I get that. I get that. And so, it, you know, it, it wants to, everybody wants to be about winning. And you're going to do everything you can to win. But you also, I always looked at it in the sense of coaching, you know, what to me has and will always be about development. Development on the court, development off the court. Developing character. Um, developing those who are, are willing and who you know, are, are open to listening, you know, in terms of growing their relationship with Christ. That's something I feel I've, I'm very proud of, um, to be able to have those relationships with those types of pl- those players as well. Now with that, you know, come the trials of getting let go. And, you know, as I got let go in Minnesota, I, I opted, I just had a, another newborn, um, uh, a daughter at, that, at the time. Um, so I opted to spend time with my family for a year and a half. And I'll tell you, it was the most rewarding time I've ever had in my life. But in, the, in the, those moments, there were, I felt, and I'm sure my wife would tell you too, and, and by the way, anybody who, who knows coaches' wives or, or, or husbands or spouses, they are the most loyal and, and fiercely loyal when you get fired, especially um, people you'll ever find. And you know, I, I felt it was kind of a, almost a humiliating type way I got fired in Minnesota. And I had, I had resentment I had to work through. And with that, though, you know, then, you, then I, I lived here for a year and a half. Um, before I took the job in Denver last year. So I was going to the grocery store and, you know, I remember hearing people, you know, people would come up to me and, and you know, nothing malicious, but like, hey, are you going to, are you ever going to coach again? Or are you going to find a different, uh, I had people ask me, are you going to find a different hmm. occupation? And that did something to me in my head where, that I had to work through, like, wow, there, there's doubt there. That's where my trust in, in the Lord really, really got stronger, I felt. And, you know, I'll, I'll leave this. We have so many better people to talk of here, but, but I'll, I'll leave you guys with this on the topic is my mom and I talked about a lot about, you know, my father, those who don't know, Flip Saunders uh, died, died of cancer, yeah. um, lymphoma, and uh, going on seven years. And he, in the moment that he, we, my mom and I, sisters were at his bedside, we, always, we would go back to that, you know, years later, months later, and say, I, we don't feel we've ever been that close to, to the Lord. Like, we don't feel we've ever been that close to God, um, you know, since then. And there was just something about that. And to, to us, that was just walking, walking with our faith, um, trusting in the Lord, trusting that something was going to work out. In the end, it didn't work out the way we wanted it to. But we also trust that there's a, there's a bigger purpose. And, you know, I, I sit here in, in a way of saying there's still plenty of trials um, you know, I've endured, we all will endure moving forward, but, you know, having that trust, having that, that faith, um, it'll see you through whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah. Coach Crean, you want to piggyback off that a little bit? You've been, you've been hired and, and, and fired and been to final fours. You've seen the highs and the lows, maybe even piggyback some of what Ryan had to say. Well, I think that the first thing, it doesn't really matter if you're being highly successful or if you're at the low points, there's always a challenge to keep your spirit and to not let doubt creep in. Now, obviously, it's really easy to look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's really going to happen when you fail. No, it's going to happen when you succeed, too. Because because in coaching and and in leadership a lot of times, um, if you're winning, you might be seen as intense and demanding, okay? 
if you're losing, you might be seen as crazy and unrelenting, <laughs> right? You're the same person, the same person. but there's a, different, there's a different narrative that's spun. And I think for me with faith, like I grew up in Michigan. I grew up, we went to church three times a week, no matter what. My mom was not only the secretary and treasurer of the minister's uh, marble company, the United States Marble, never forget it, but she was also the secretary treasurer of our church. So like for me, blending going into the coaching world from the way I grew up, it wasn't as profound for me. It was, it was, it, it was, it was fairly easy for me. Like I didn't really think about it. I didn't think about, should I be careful with what I say? Should I be careful with that? Well, the more you go up the ladder, you realize that you've got to make a choice at times. And I grew as a coach at Marquette. I was there for nine years. I was at Indiana for nine years before four at Georgia. And somewhere along the line at Marquette, uh, I realized not a mission statement, not a mantra, but like something that was like really important to me that the players would leave with, hmm. you know, when, 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 no matter how they came in, that they would leave with this because they were going to need this, you know, no matter what, as they went on down the line, yeah. number one, are they selfless? And this was before social media was at the place that it is now. But even back at Marquette, it was like, hey, you don't need somebody to take pictures of you changing somebody's tire, right, out on the road on a, on a rainy day or, or, or feeding the homeless. You don't need anybody to take that picture. And, and it was the same thing on your team. Like, you've got to absolutely be concerned about your teammate's success. And, and the, the worst thing you can ever be dis dis described as is somebody that wants to be successful but doesn't want to see those around them be successful. Mm. And there are people that win in sports and life. I mean, they win with that mantra. They win with that life, but that's not how you win championships. That's not how you keep going. So building that selflessness, number two, was, was being a problem solver. Like, there's so many things. In, in, the bas in a game of basketball, it's really easy. Hey, we've just got outscored 8-0. Don't call timeout. You know, we got to figure it out. There's all these different ways you've got to solve problems. And as a coach, you're trying to come up with them so that – they get that much more confidence as they go through life. But probably the most important to me was that when they left, that they would know, okay, no matter what, no matter where they were at in their life, no matter how they were raised, no matter if or when they got married, no matter when they got kids, they were going to be the spiritual leader of their home. And I think when I took that to heart more in the sense of, I don't really, if, if I get fired because I'm a Christian. If I get fired because I talk about God, if I get fired because I pray before and after games with the team or when they get injured or something like that, well, then so be it. Mm. And somewhere along the line, I accepted that. But then it gets challenged, right? Then it absolutely gets challenged as you go down the line. And I think the thing that happens for any of us, no matter where we're at, there's a false sense of security when you win. Yeah. And because there's always somebody uh, coming for that. And, and it's the worst when it's in-house. But, but it happens, okay? But the insecurity that we have when things aren't going right, when we've got to go through all these different things, the insecurity that comes can never, ever be fixed if our security is not right with God. Mm. And, 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 and I think it was Charles Stanley that said it, or said so many things, it, it, but he said, you can't have the peace of God if you don't have peace with God. And somewhere along the line, like there's just different things that you hear in life, whether it's a sermon, whether it's a conversation, whether it's a book, you know, all these different things, like they just hit you, right? And, it, and it, to me, it's like God speaking to you in another way. It's not just 
you just didn't hear his voice as you're driving down the street and it resonated, right? Like something resonated with you that feels different. That happens. But it's these other ways that come into you. And I think that for me has helped me so much that no matter what insecurity you feel, you've got no chance to overcome it if your security with God is not right. And, and to me, you have to work at it. And for me, one of the, one example, and I'll give some more later, but one example for me is, is, is you go up the, the ladder of this in your life, not just in your coaching life, but in your life, it becomes so easy to lose track. And we play games on Sundays at times, right? Going to, it, it wasn't the same anymore when you're coaching. We don't, I can't get to Wednesday night service and Sunday morning and Sunday night, right? right. That changed. But there was always time to find a way to be with God. And I remember going into a church at Indiana. I would go into the, it was a Catholic church. It was a quarter of a mile. And it was just a very quiet place. I was raised Assembly of God. My wife was raised Catholic. So we would take our kids to the church. But like I would go in there and the priest said one time, he said, God always likes the company. Hmm. And he said, but remember this, you don't have to be here to give him his company. And I thought that was a great, it was a great Good thing. Reminder. I mean, it, it really is. And so the more you go through things, the more that you can't get away, no matter what it is, you have to carve out that time for the sermons. You have to carve out that time for your daily devotionals. For me, for many, many years, it was experiencing God day by day by the Blackabees and, or listening to Reverend Stanley or David Jeremiah on the radio, bringing an Alexa into the office so I could Hear a, hear a radio station on Sirius XM, you know, mm -hmm. plan and practice. Whatever it was, you had to fight for it. But one thing I always did, and I think this helped, and this may help people in here, and then I'll turn it back over, yeah. is your daily prayer for who you pray with. Starts with, with my wife, my kids, my three children, moves right on down the line. Well, I'd always pray for my bosses, for my athletic director, for the associate athletic directors and things like that. When you get fired the first time, that's a challenge. That's an absolute challenge. But somewhere along the line, to this day, I forced myself, or God enabled this, that I continue to make sure that right after I get done with my family, that I pray for those people. Mm. And what it's done is it's forced me to mean it. And, it, and it's just absolutely not easy, right, some days. It's not easy when you have when you go through the, the doubts and the guilts and all those different things that you have when you go through these different trials, but you have to keep making sure that you understand that level of spiritual leadership that you're trying to get across to your other coaches, to your players, to your staff, to your family, that you are absolutely getting better at it and living it out every day. That's really well said. Hope you guys are taking notes, by the way. This is, this is really good stuff up here. We're going to have time, I think, for Q&A as well at the end. Uh, so be thinking about my, a couple questions that you guys might have for for our panel. Mr. Isaac, I know a lot of what you've walked through from a trial perspective has been very public. You know, you can talk about the injuries, you can talk about some of the things that, you know, have come into the news with standing and writing your book. Um, what's this been like for you kind of walking through some of the trials and seeing God still good through it? Yeah, it's been, it's been, I would say it's been challenging, but it's also been worthwhile um, in the sense that I've learned a lot more about God through the trials. And I think that that's a, that's a promise that God gives us in his word that, um, that the trials and the tribulations mean something, that they have a purpose and there's a plan you know, to them. You know, don't, uh, you know, the Bible says be cheerful um, when you go through trials and tribulations because they produce something in you. They produce patience. They produce things that help us to become better. Um, 
And I think one of the, if I had to give somebody one thing that I've been able to take away from the trials that I've been through, you said it, they've been public. Um, I've taken heat. Yeah. You know, I've had, you know, my fair share of darts thrown at me. But um, the one thing that I would say I'd take away is that God can only be faithful in a situation that he has to be. Um, and so if there is no situation where God needs to show his faithfulness, then you don't know him to be faithful. Um, if there is no instance where God has to show you that he loves you, then you don't know that God truly loves you. And so going through the trials and the tribulations that I've been through have shown God to be who he said he is. And so if I trust God at his word for him to be faithful, for him to be a loving father, I have to go through something for him to show up in those moments to be those things. And so through the trials and tribulations that I've been through, I've seen him come through time and time again. Um, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but one of the things, um, you know, my pastor told me the, the night before I decided to stand in the bubble, he said to me, you cannot stand for God and God not stand for you. Hmm. And it was an extremely tough decision. Yeah. Um, I knew I was going to take heat for it, but that saying has rung true to this day. And because I needed God to be faithful in that moment, and because I stepped into a moment where I said, God, I need you to be faithful. I need you to come through. And he did. And so to be able to write a book, to be able to get on a panel like this and talk about the trials and tribulations that I've been through, it speaks to God's faithfulness and God's love for me. Let me follow up with that for you, Jonathan, because on the court, we see a guy who got injured, worked hard for two years, missed two full seasons, come back, and then would you play 10 games, I think it was maybe, and then injured again. Going through the earlier trials, even the, the trials in the bubble that you just referred to, the stuff that you wrote about in your book, how did that help equip you to be able to go through this latest trial on the court earlier this year? Yeah, I, I just learned how to deal with it. I, I learned how to you know, look the trials in the face and say that God has a plan and a purpose for them. The first time it was insanely difficult. Um, mad at God, God, why would you allow something like this to happen? Um, and to see, again, see him show up as faithful, see him show up as a loving father. Um, when it happened again, um, I was able, again, with the people that are around me to encourage me, I was able to say, I've taken this test before. Mm. I know what it is to, you know, tie up the bootstraps and get to work and rehab and figure out what it is to come back. Um, and even through that entire process, again, God has shown me he's faithful in other ways. You know, I got married. I have a daughter now that's two months. And so I've yeah. seen God. Just, just, just show up and just, and just be, and just, just be there for me while this thing is going on. You know, more so behind the scenes. And so it's been terribly difficult. But if I didn't have the support system that I have, if I didn't have the foundation of a relation, a true relationship with Christ that says, I'm going to love you in the good and the bad, and know that I'm dealing with a God that doesn't just celebrate me in the hills, but also is there with me in the valleys. Yeah, that has been the difference. That's good. You talked about the support system. Laura, I want to ask you about community. We talked about this yesterday on the panel, the importance of community. How important was community for you or has community been for you to help you through those moments when you're going through difficult seasons of life? Well, my, um, my example on that is more from my personal life after I stopped coaching and I was working still at the University of Minnesota in the fundraising office. And, um, it was in 2015 um, when I got some news that I had breast cancer. And the community, now, first of all, there's someone in this room, Joel Maturi, wherever he may be. He's part of this story because he was one of the first pe people I told, 
because I was at his house the day after I was diagnosed because I agreed to speak to some high school kids. And, um, you know, he wanted me to come over and visit with his wife. And I thought, well, I better tell them. Even though I think my mom might have been the first person and only person I had told at that time. Well, it turns out that his wife, Lois, knew someone at the university and the breast center and could help me find a surgeon. So that was an unbelievable act of God to line that up. And then once I started, you know, sharing that news with more people, um, the community I want to really emphasize is my neighborhood women's Bible study, which has been going on for a long time. We're all different denominations. It's an amazing thing. And not only do we study God's word, but we also support each other, help each other through things, pray for each other. And, um, you know, I'm a person who really doesn't ask for help a lot. But what I learned going through this process of a little surgery and a little radiation, and if it's breast cancer, I'm just going to tell you that you're sort of at the mercy of these other people. You're being put in positions, especially the radiation part, really struck me that I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no control here. You know, this machine is going to zap me and they're lining me up and, you know, I have to trust them that they know what they're doing. And what was interesting is the Bible study we were doing at the time was emphasizing, um, I got another verse for you, um, this verse in 2 Corinthians 12 verses 9 and 10. And this is when Paul is asking to God to remove the thorn in his flesh. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I just thought, wow, like I feel weak when I'm out of control, I'm not in control. And so that idea of what I was experiencing in my health situation, I applied to my faith and my relationship with God. And I was able to share that with, you know, my neighbor, my neighbor women in the Bible study. And I think we all learned from that, but it was actually living what we were learning from the Bible and their support. Just, it made, um, a big difference to me. They helped me through, uh, that trial. I mean, I was playing it down because at the same time, my mom was struggling with ovarian cancer and that was a lot worse than what I went through. But I'm glad that I still was able to go through that and learn and grow in my faith and others could see it. And I think sharing it was, even though I wasn't really that comfortable telling a lot of people, I think that was what I was supposed to do. And ironically, even in the last few months, I've had three women who I've coached uh, be diagnosed with breast cancer, and I've talked to them, and I, you know, we've sort of compared notes, and I've encouraged them, and I think there was a, there's more reasons for what we go through than we really know. And one little P.S. on the story, I have a friend who is not a believer, and I had told her about, you know, the breast cancer and the upcoming surgery. And she called me the day before my surgery and she said, are you freaking out? I said, no, I'm actually not because God had given me a peace, honestly, mm. like yeah. it's supernatural. And I was not freaking out. And I said, no. And I told her, you know, 
God gave me a peace and I'm going to be okay. I'm, you know, it'll be fine. Her comment was, I think you trust God too much. <laughs> Man, that's <laughs> the greatest compliment ever though, isn't it? I was like, seriously, well, I disagree with you. But, <laughs> um, it was great to even just share that with her and, you know, our testimony, we're not telling other people what to do when we share our own story. Right. And so that was a way for me to, you know, share what God was doing in my life. And um, so what was a personal trial and a, a health situation, I think, again, you look back and you see the bigger picture and you see the purpose and some of the things, the silver linings that came out of it. And like I said, I mean, this group of women in my neighborhood, we've been through a lot of tough stuff together. And so their support also really helped me a lot. I mean that though, by the way, as a compliment. I know. That's the greatest I compliment. Agree. You trust God too much. I was like, Darn right. We trust God you. too much. Like, thank you. We have to. Uh, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Right. I think, you know, the transparency part of what Laura just said, I think for you, you're one of the trials. I'm not saying all of the trials, but a couple have been pretty public and certainly dealing with the loss of your father, who a legend, uh, but also being, you know, let go from jobs. And obviously now you get to put a ring on your finger too and, and, and celebrate and have some success as well. But how important has transparency been in trying to navigate trials that you've seen over the last few years? Yeah, it's been huge. Um, you know, and, and hearing and talking with coach, you know, I, and we reconnected uh, back when I was a player and then a graduate assistant at University of Minnesota. I remember we had a Bible study we were a part of, so it, it's, it's good to hear, you know, some of your, your messages too, because even back then I remember, you know, take, taking those in, into, um, you know, just everything that I, I went through, you know, at that time, um, injury-wise, et cetera. But, uh, you know, transparency with, I think the people around you is really important. And, and that's, that's been something that I've had to, you know, work through, um, being open and honest, uh, you know, with loved ones that are trying to help. But then also, um, to me, it's transparency with God. God always knows what's on our hearts. Um, you know, and, and Coach, I, I love hearing you talk about praying for, you know, those who maybe have, you know, removed you from a position that you wanted um, or fired you. Uh, a harsher way of saying it is fired. Um, you know, that's, that, that's big, and, and that's something I had to work through. And, and you know, I, I found that when I would say those things out loud, you know, be transparent with the Lord, um, I felt a sense of, you know, I guess weight come off me, um, you know, still working through it in a lot of ways. Uh, but you know, when, you know, in my car, that's something I, I've always enjoyed doing is having my conversations with God. Um, unfortunately, a lot of those happen, um, after losses, uh, when you land at two in the morning and maybe you just got crushed on the road and those conversations, they, they, they aren't, they aren't always fun ones, but you feel better after the fact. Um, but, you know, I, and, and, I, and I, I look back to a moment when I really needed to have one that was a, a, a big breakdown moment, moment for me, one that I, I just, and I, I remember it very vividly. It was Hennepin Avenue, and um, it was my father. He, he passed away pretty fast. I mean, I'm, I'm sure anybody, you know, from, you know, who's based here in Minnesota who was here at the time, uh, you know, he was diagnosed, um, had complication with his treatment. Uh, you know, and, and it, it happened pretty quick. And, and we, we really wanted to, you know, just kind of be with family and, and really close loved ones at the time. So we didn't make it very public. But then when it became public, um, right after he passed away, 
um, you know, it was a kind of a shock to a lot of people. And, you know, I, I always feel very fortunate and very grateful that my father lived a life and he was the type of person that people did want to celebrate after he passed away. And, and I feel very lucky because not everybody gets to have it at that level. Well, at that level also comes with things for those of us that are, are trying to grieve. Um, I remember going down, driving into, and I, I took only a few days off because in my head I'm saying, you know, my father would want me to get back and coach. I was an assistant coach with the Timberwolves at the time and took only a few days off. And um, I ended up, you know, going back in, into work and I'm getting ready to go to a game and I'm driving down Hennepin Avenue. I had moved home at the time to help with my mother and be around. I have uh, uh, three younger sisters, be around them also. Um, so I'm, I'm driving down Hennepin and I, I remember seeing on, on the Orpheum, uh, marquee it says now playing in heaven flip saunders and though that that visual to me still shakes me a little bit but i remember having to pull over in that moment and have that conversation with god and it, it was a gut-wrenching um real conversation of and all i just kept saying is is god i need help and it, it was just very simple in in a, a very simple i guess prayer and it was just god i need help i don't know how i'm going to get through this i i was not um, I was not married at the time. Uh, my wife, I knew her in, in college. She was a smarter woman back then because she didn't want to date me then. And then, <laughs> sure enough, sure enough, two weeks later, two weeks later, we, me and my wife reconnect. My now wife, we re reconnected from college. Wow. And now we're married. We have two beautiful kids. And, uh, you know, I, I actually told my mother, I, I got in um, late yesterday. Uh, you know, we had the draft on Thursday night, and there was celebration for the championship last week um so we had a lot of things going on but uh i i told my my mom last night i was like you know it's it's hard to kind of fathom coming back here first time coming back here with a world championship you know being a part of a world championship after thinking about where we thought our life was going after dad passed away mm -hmm. i didn't know if i wanted to work in the nba or in basketball in general i just didn't know if i wanted to do it i talked about you know Hey, get, get a cabin up north. I just want to fish. And maybe I'll coach, you know, I'll coach at some level some, one day. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I, I thought I was gonna, going to just have to take care of my mother and my sisters. My sisters are all married with kids now. I thought I was just going to have to quit everything I was doing um, and take care of them. Uh, you know, be, be there for them. Be, be the man that my father was. When in the end, God had a plan for me. And we trusted as a family. And I do feel I've always had a guardian angel in that sense, but we've trusted. And, you know, I have pictures of my two kids, my wife coming on the court as confetti's falling down last week, you know, and getting to take a picture with the NBA championship trophy. And like, that's, that's just a visual to me that it just felt really cool. Like a, like a full, you know, where you come from to a point where, wow, God really is great. But there was a lot of patience, a lot of prayer, a lot of trials, tears, um, heartache to get to a point that you can really feel feel happy with that. Can, that's amazing, by the way. Um, thank you for sharing that. Just give us one word to describe the parade, so we could all understand what it was like to be on that. One word: insane. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'll, I'll I'll go back to if anybody watched it on on TV, there was a lot that was not shown. It was. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness they were cutting away from some of the scenes, right? Um, so I'm going to follow up with uh, just two more questions for Coach Crean and then Jonathan, and then we'll have questions from you guys. Um, Coach Crean, advice, I think, you know, this, this group here, as you're sharing, you know, not all of them are coaches, 
not all of them are were certainly uh, or are certainly players, but they're navigating their own trials. They're trying to make it in the in the world of sports. What would you say to them as as trials come? Not if they come, but when they come, and how to kind of navigate through that. I think it goes back to this: you've got to do everything you can possibly do, uh, knowing that there's no way to ever have it go in the right direction without God being first, to not let things take take your spirit and create doubt in you, and and create that inner selfishness that we have when we feel that things are totally against us. What Ryan just described, I can't even imagine mm. because, because in this sense, I don't care where you're at in, in your life, you, what your career is, what, how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been alive. It is so hard to trust God's plan because we want to see things, yeah. right? We want to see it. We want to feel it. We want to, we want to think it out. We want to fix it, you know, and, and, when you're in the world of sports, I mean, you, you want to help other people be better. I mean, it's uh, to me, when I learned that every day when I come in and, and it's about the players and coaches and the staff members, me figuring out how I can help them not be good, but absolutely do things that are going to make them great every day, no matter how that goes, Mm. I became a better coach because then you can, you can live with it, right? You, you can live with, this is why we're driving you to get to this place, right? It's not easy. All right, but we're trying to get to this place. And along the way, you're going to go through those things. And, and trusting God, th- th- there's, it's, it's hard. It is absolutely hard because we can't see it. And that's why the faith, that's why finding ways, you know, to me, like I, I give people this advice if they ask when it comes to hiring. Find people that are going to bring you energy. Mm. Find people because if, if, especially for head coaches, I got two brother-in-laws, that coach football, one in the NFL, John Harbaugh, one in college, and Jim Harbaugh. And it's like when we talk about hiring, if they're not bringing you energy, how in week six or seven are they going to bring the running back room or the wide receiver room or one of those rooms energy? How are they going to bring that there? Because that's when it's really going to matter. Right. So you want to find ways to get people that surround yourself with energy, but at the same time, what brings you energy? As a head coach, like, don't delegate it, right? Enjoy it. Right, do it and enjoy it. You you've got to keep finding ways to have that energy because the only way you're going to make your players better. Learn. You have a responsibility to yourself every day, okay, to make sure that you are learning, that you are getting better, that you are adding. Maybe you're deleting along the way, but you're adding to what you do. And then part of that responsibility is no matter where you sit, you are a spiritual leader. You might just be the spiritual leader of yourself if you're single. But if you're in any type of environment, God put us out there to help lead that environment too, right? We don't have, we have a book for it. We don't have a manual that somebody hands us. We have a manual that we get when we're young. It's the Bible, yep. right? And any real answer you need, you can find it in there. But you just have to trust God. Even when you can't see the plan, even when you don't feel it, uh, you just cannot let this world take your spirit or create those doubts that knock you back from that. And you got to fight for that. I mean, you have to fight for that, whether it's the podcast, whether it's the devotionals, whether it's the time of carving it out with the Bible, whatever it is. You know, somebody said a long time ago, I, 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 I don't remember who it was, but praying is like breathing. We can do it all the time. You can do it anywhere you're at, right? And I think the more that you understand that I've prayed on the sidelines, so many times in the span of seconds, 
you know, just for, not for the win as much as for the peace, yeah. you know, for the clarity. And I think that you just have to be able to do that. And if you can keep yourself centered on the security of knowing you have God, even at the hardest points, you will come through it. Mm. You will. That's good. Jonathan, they say, consider it joy when you face trials of many kind. You know, that's, we heard that verse a lot during COVID. Um, and that verse, I'm sure, came alive to you uh, quite a bit uh, in some of the things that you've gone through. Coach Crean also mentioned God's plan. How do you trust God's plan and find joy? And this will be our final question before we get to the audience. But how do you find joy and trust God's plan in the midst of the trials that we all go through? Uh, I, I think you just, you have to, you got to take God at his word. You know, we, we don't know the plan that God has for us. He just tells us that the plan is a good one. Um, you know, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you. I don't, I didn't know that a part of that plan was me getting injured. You know, I didn't know that an all part of that plan was getting injured again and again. But um, I, I, I can, I can say that I know that the plan has been good because it's made me better. Um, and I'm in a better position now than I was before. And so I can't give you the blueprint of what God is going to do in your life, where God is going to take you. But for some reason, it always starts with um, it starts with taking you low before he takes you high. Um, and, you know, talking about what he went through with being fired. And then now, you know, he's on top of the, the NBA world. Um, and, you know, to God be all the glory. So I just feel like we have to we have to find it in our hearts and our minds to truly trust God at his word and. It's a, it's a promise. He gives us a promise that he will see us through um, and that his plan is perfect. His plan is to prosper us. It is going to be trials. There are going to be tribulations. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. And the, I'll just add the, the same God that was with Ryan in the midst of the trials of losing his dad and, lose, and winning or getting fired was the same God who was with you last week when you all won the championship. And the same with all of the trials that everybody's here uh, has gone through and shared. So Carly is going to be walking around. We want your guys' questions now. So all I'm asking you is slip up your hand. When Carly comes to you, just state your, state your name and then obviously address the question to who you would like to address it to. Um, we can start in the back, I think. I think that's Steve back there. Mr. Gidley has, uh, has the floor first. Steve Gidley with Indiana Wesleyan University. First question. Really, uh, is for you, Jonathan. Obviously, they talked about transparency, but when you decided to make that stand, what was the transparency in the locker room with your teammates? As some individuals in this room make stands, and their teammates and their their workforce is very different than maybe. So, can you talk through that transparency and and uh, reflect on that? Yeah, th there's there's honestly there's a whole lot to go through when it comes through uh, you know my decision to stand in the bubble. Um, but the basis of it for me was that I didn't want to align myself with the Black Lives Matter movement or organization. Um, I didn't agree with the tone and the rhetoric of it. And I knew um, that it wasn't going to be a movement, an organization, or a political party that was truly going to usher in the change that we need between the white and black community. That it was going to be the gospel of Jesus Christ um, working in our hearts to, for us to love like God loves. And so I, I didn't want to align myself in that way. Um, but when it comes to transparency with the teammates, um, we had a uh, we had a team meeting the day before, um, you know, the decision to stand in the bubble, and uh, the presidents came in, everybody on the team came in, and uh, they said, "This is the decision for you guys to make. You guys get to do what you want to do." And they all left, and it was just the team, and everybody's like, 
there's no decision to make here. Um, you know, we know we have to do. Everybody's going to kneel. We shut up. We get through it. And one of my teammates turned towards me and says, Jonathan, what are you going to do? And I'm like, why are you going to ask me? Like, <laughs> he knew to look at you. <laughs> I guess they knew um, partly where I was going to come from. And I said, fellas, um, I'm not going to kneel. and I'm not going to put that T-shirt on. And uh, chaos erupted. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, here we go. They, my nickname is Baby Jesus. So they're like, here we go. Here's baby Jesus always having to come through and be righteous. <laughs> That's how they see it. But, um, but yeah, it, it was difficult. And they asked me, um, you know, why? And I said, you know, um, if I'm going to throw stones at anybody, be it one person or an entire race of people, I'm going to be throwing stones from a glass house. Um, I've fallen short. You guys have fallen short. And I don't think that this is the answer. Um, I respect you guys' decision to kneel. Um, but I asked for that same respect in return. And extremely difficult, but that was the transparency in that. And uh, I just tried my best to just kind of go with it. And again, like I was on the phone with my pastor the night before and I was telling him, I don't think you understand how crazy this is going to be. Like, yeah. I'm going to be every name in the book. I'm going to be a sellout. I'm going to be a coon. I'm going to be all this stuff. Um, and he said to me, you cannot stand for God and God not stand for you. Yeah. Um, having that transparency with him, having that transparency with the people around me, my wife, um, she said she's standing with me even though she's not there. But having that transparency with the people around me um, and just transparent with the team. I, you know, I, I, I told the team beforehand, I didn't want to catch them off guard. So I told them, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not, I'm not going to kneel. Um, and, you know, they were cool with it. So. This is just a plug. He didn't ask me to do this, but read Why I Stand, his book. Um, it goes into a lot more detail on some of the things you were wrestling with, and it's phenomenal. It came out last year, I think. So, uh, thank you, Steve. Who else? Questions? I think that's Cole. Uh, this question's for Coach Crean. And Ryan, you can answer this too. Um, when you guys are, are in such public jobs, Indiana basketball fans are, are crazy about their basketball, NBA fans as well. When you go through a period where you are fired and you get public backlash and maybe you hear some ugly things from fans, whether that's like you mentioned in a grocery store or on, online, you know, that sort of thing. How do you process that as a believer and not uh, resort to, I guess, snapping back and, and saying nasty things to other people and defending yourself? How do you take that as a believer and not let it affect your, your walk with Jesus, but also just your, your own um, personal mindset? You have to pray um, diligently, especially when you take it personal, because you do. I mean, you just absolutely, you personalize it. And um, I think like being at Indiana, because we went, I mean, it's, it, 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 we don't have enough time to talk about the, the changes of all that, but when we walked in there, it was just a complete, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wished it on any, I really wouldn't. Have. I, I, I could have the worst enemy in the world, and I wouldn't have wished for them to have to deal with what we dealt with when we go there. It wasn't lollipops and balloons. It just wasn't, right? But we, we, we built it. We got through it. And I think as you go through it, like as hard as it gets, that's not what you worry about. You want security. There's the, the, the best feeling you can have, okay, when you're in an environment like that is the security of who you're working with. And when you don't have that, it's really hard. And so you, you, you go through a lot of different emotions. But I think, again, it, it was for me, like, I've got a choice with this. Like, when I did an interviews or did a, did a radio interview or a print interview or a television interview, like, I've got a choice right now. And if I make myself say it, I better live it. 
and and it, and it forces you to doesn't mean there aren't hard days with it that that'd be a misnomer there are but like you've got to find a way because it, it, how you how you deal with it like i dealt with it i put so much guilt on myself and and this internal guilt for not reading this right, making a wrong decision, hiring the wrong person. I mean, all those different things. And I fight that. I'm going to fight that now. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. But you have to understand that there is no way all the players I had before at Marquette, the players I had before at Indiana, but take all of them, take all the kids that would come to the basketball camps and all the parents that I knew and all their kids, my three children were going to be watching what I did. And that is what I was responsible for. And thank God I had a wife. And I'll just share this quick story because this is, it goes along with what Ryan said of having a spouse. We had an issue where we had an accident at Indiana. Second, I think it was the second year before my last year, third year before my last year there. Long story short, we had a kid go out. They went out on Halloween. They were drinking. One got really messed up. Uh, literally ran into a car. He was on foot, ran into a teammate's car. Okay. He was in the hospital. So he was really not in a, he, he was, it wasn't life and death after the first 12, 14 hours, but it was, was he going to recover type of situation? So I, there was an article that had come out in a Sunday in the newspaper that I'd lost control of the program and this, and, uh, uh, that I should be fired basically. And, and we're going up an elevator to floor three in the hospital in Bloomington, Indiana. And that article, I'm reading it because it had just come out on that Sunday afternoon as we're going back up to see this, this young guy in the hospital on a Sunday. This had happened in the middle of the night Friday. And this changed me. And this, this, this is where God works in so many different ways. My wife, I'm reading the article and I'm distraught now because I'm, I'm angry, right? But I'm also hurt because I've had no sleep. I'm going through all this with our team, all these different things. And my wife says, Tom, he said, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Look at me. We're going to be fine as the elevator's going up to the third floor. And it was like not 50 pounds. It was like 100 pounds came off my shoulders. Just like that, from from the first floor to the third floor, by those words that I swear were directed by God to my wife, to me. Mm -hmm. And those are the type of things that you remember when you're going through those hard times. That's when God's plan and how God protects you comes out and helps you that's good we got two more questions time for two more let's see becca and this lady over here ryan real quick you want to jump off anything yeah, yeah, yeah. coach um, green said before we get to that question I'll, I'll just go go right off what coach was saying um i'm big into routine and i've always felt like r- routine can help through through those types of situ- situations um and part of routine for me has always been prayer in those moments you need you need to have prayed on how you're going to respond um, before those moments come about, and it can, be, and to me that that's that's anything in, in any any situation you're dealing with. But I remember vividly towards the end of my tenure with the Timberwolves, um, where, and keep in mind, I'm a hometown kid. You know, went to Wyzetta, played University of Minnesota, grew up in Minnesota. So I'm thinking, you know, hey, you know, for the most part, people are, are going to have some empathy at in at some level with everything that was going on at the time, but. I was sitting having uh, dinner with my wife. Um, she was, gosh, whatever, 38 weeks pregnant. Uh, my two-year-old son at the time, and some guy was walking out with his family, and he let his family go, and he came over, and he goes, hey, you need to start winning some games. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and 
Wow. And luckily, <laughs> luckily, I had prayed about that before. And the, the first thing that came out, and I saw my wife, the steam coming out of my wife's ears. The first thing that came out, out of my mouth was, hey, man, have a great night. And he just, he just left. And I don't know why I said it, but hey, God was with me in that moment. Yeah, taming the tongue, right? <laughs> Question. Ashton Hopp, uh, I'm currently the team chaplain and a graduate assistant at Ole Miss for the women's basketball team. I'm curious. I, I think sometimes, at least I have experienced, people think Christians have to be timid um, when they talk about hard conversations in the workplace. Um, I used to be in men's basketball, so now I work with a lot of women. I used to be like the only woman. Now I'm, you know, the majority. And there's a lot of new topics being talked about at my workplace. How do you go about knowing when to be silent and having wisdom in that or when to you know, speak up, having boldness in those hard conversations about things um, and standing against what the popular belief may be. <laughs> Laura, take it. Let Laura take it. Anyone? Okay. Jonathan, go ahead. I'll take a shot at it, Laura. Um, I would say, I would say, obviously, discernment is key. Um, trying your best to discern when is the right time. And, and obviously that, that, that comes with prayer, that comes with um, seeking God. But I think at the baseline for me is, is the impact. Like when, when it is impacting you in a sense of just the things that the world is trying to, to push, um, when it's impacting you, when it's impacting um, Christianity as a whole and you know it, um, I do think that we are, we're commissioned to speak up. We're commissioned to say something. Um, and I think that the timing is the hard part of figuring out when it is the right time to do so. But I, I would err on the side of not doing it is worse than doing it at the wrong time. Um, and I think that in today's day, there is a necessity for a, a, a bold faith, um, a bold Christianity that says um, we are drawing a line in the sand. It's not about hate. It's not about going against anybody. But it is that I have confidence and assurity in what I believe. And I believe that what I believe is right. Um, and if you have freedom to believe what you believe, then I have that same freedom as well. And so um, I would just err on the side of if, if you're worried about the timing, it might be the right time to speak up and to, to mm -hmm. figure out how to say something in love. Um, but it, it is coming to a time now where at things are directed at us. Things are pointed at us. And we do have to... Um, you know, the safety and numbers come together and say what, what it is that we're for or we'll be for everything. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Lori, want to piggyback off that? Well, I, that's a really hard and good question. And having worked at a public institution, I know that, you know, we had to be careful about what we talked about or how we, if we, sh especially from a faith standpoint, but kind of, I think it's kind of a funny story. Um, so we, you know, Merry Christmas. You, we haven't been able to say that for a long time. But um, Happy Holidays was good for a while. And then we would get an email from the administration that said, Warm Winter Wishes. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I actually went into this my is, And this is in Minnesota, by this the way. This is in Minnesota. Where warm it's winter. Warm in the winter. So you okay. really, it doesn't fit. But so I went sarcastically into my supervisor at the time, it wasn't Joel, but um, I just said, warm winter wishes. So we're celebrating winter, and are we going to celebrate fall? Like, I just was kind of sarcastic, but we got along really well. Anyway, my point is, 
I always kind of joked about that each winter when I get that email because I thought, I thought happy holidays was still okay. And by the way, Christmas is a national holiday. It's on our calendar. Um, and so, um, you know, I would mention to those around me how I just didn't understand that and I celebrate Christmas. And so when I, I retired about a year ago and when you retire, you get like an exit survey. And, um, one of the, the only thing I said that was at all negative was said, you know, what other comments? Yeah. I said, well, the only thing I'm going to say is, you know, when, when we're told that anything that we display from a religious standpoint could offend someone, I said, um, actually, you know, it's more offensive when we're not allowed to express our faith, at least in our own space. And I mentioned the warm winter wishes in some way. And what was really funny was I went to have lunch with some of my friends, I don't know, a few months ago. Well, actually, it was around Christmas because they had a Christmas tree in their office. I said, wait a second. It was a warm, win warm well, I don't even know what it was, warm winter wishes tree. Let's be it clear. It was an illegal Christmas tree <laughs> from the days when we weren't allowed to decorate oh, wow. with any Christmas, you know, holiday. And so what they told me was they kind of eased up on the, on the rule to say within your office, you can have Christmas decorations. And I just thought, huh, isn't that interesting? But anyway, I don't know if that really answers your question, but I had to really check myself to not be too like sarcastic um, or negative. But I think that in today's society, you do have to be careful, but you also, I mean, I would share things that my beliefs come from the Bible. And so there are things in today's society that I don't agree with that I, or I don't celebrate, but I don't go around blowing a big horn to bring attention to that. But if someone asks me, I will share that. Oh, that's good. We got one more question. Time for one more question. I think Becca had her hand up. Hey, Jason, really quickly. Yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll just really quickly add one thing that, that I've, I've felt in, the, in those moments is like, if you, if it's something you try to push away a little bit and then it comes back to you, and then it comes back to you again. It's like one of those, like, all right, I get it. I, I, I get what you're saying. Got to speak so, up like, now. If, if, if you feel it come back to you, if you kind of, like, push it down, be like, ah, I don't need to say it. But then it comes back to you two, three more times. Like, all right, you should, you should probably go say it because you're getting that much. <laughs> a little confirmation. Yeah. Go ahead, Becca. Um, this question could be for any of you. Um, we've gotten to hear a lot of your guys' stories. Um, and it's been said several times, you know, take heart and good cheer, God's overcome the world. And I think the other side of the coin of that is, like, the Lord does also ask us to, like, lament before him. And I'm just wondering, any of you could answer this, what the lamenting process was like for you and how that was important for you. Well, kind of what I said, it was, it was hard for me because I, I kept thinking about my mom's situation and that what I was facing wasn't as difficult. It had a better prognosis. Um, so that was hard for me to, to really process. In fact, I remember saying to one of my former teammates on the phone, it's not a big deal. And she said, coach, it is a big deal. And, you know, so maybe I was pushing it away to not deal with it a little bit. But, um, but I do think that peace that God gave me really did help me process that and keep things in perspective. Um, and, I guess I want to share one more verse that I hope 
relates. This is one that we've all heard, but it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Or some translations say he will make your paths straight. And it's about trusting the Lord, but the part that I have to always be praying about and asking God to help me is lean not on your own understanding. Because um, I tend to lean on my own understanding. And so that really is an important verse for me. And also God's ways and his thoughts are higher. That's in Psalm. Um, no, that's in Isaiah 55. But um, I just think that the things we go through in life, we have our choice on how to respond to it. And I didn't want to feel sorry for myself, um, but I also wanted to learn what God was trying to teach me and to be maybe, you know, someone that could help others if they were going through something similar. So I do think it means more, the whole thing means more to me now than maybe it did at the time because I maybe see a little bit more of the bigger picture. So I don't know if that answers anybody else want to piggyback off that a little bit on the side of it then, then i'll wind it up but i think when we're dealing with with younger people all the time and we're dealing with either our own kids or our, our student athletes and the people that we deal with because they don't always have that experience of knowing how to ask god how to talk to god so many times they just expect that answer to come back and i've, I've heard different times like i have prayed you know i i have asked god and i think the first thing you have to do in your own life uh, obviously, uh, but you have to be able to help get this across to people so that they learn to listen. But you can never blame God. I mean, no matter what, Ernie Johnson's got a great line, trust God, period, right? Well, never blame God, period. And I think sometimes when people don't hear the answer to their prayers because they haven't worked through all that yet, they want to go right to the blame because that's what our society is like in so many areas of the rest of the world. So it becomes very easy for people that have not grown up in the Bible or grown up in church or don't have that spiritual experience of going through it. And I think how we portray ourselves and our spiritual leadership of that and not doing the woe is me, okay, not blaming, not getting frustrated, but continuing to persevere through it and, 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 and look for that energy that helps us continue to trust and listen for God. When that answer comes, it comes. And to get people to help our, our players and, and the people with us to do that is imperative in this day and age more than ever. That's good. All set. Love it, man. Listen, trust God, period, is a nice way to end this conversation. Tom Crean. It is, but it's just a nice little stamp on, on the equation. Uh, Laura Halderson, Ryan Saunders, Jonathan Isaac, thank you, men and women. Let's give it up for them. If you want to take part in the 2024 Christians Working in Sports Conference next summer in Minneapolis, Minnesota on June 21st and 22nd, visit the CWS Conference website by clicking the link in the description of this podcast. If you liked this podcast, be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every other week on Thursdays at midnight Eastern time. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you soon.